This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. Father's Day. Yeah, it's a day for dads. Um, if, if you were going to be a father soon. Yes. And it was going to be Father's Day. Uh-huh. And you were the, you were the father. <laughs> yeah. The, the almost father. Yes. Do, you, do you want that to be a day where you go out and you do stuff with your kid and with your family? Or do you want that to be a day where they clear out and, hey, it's dad time? Mmm. Mmm. Because I, I get, think I'm, I am, I want to hear from you before I give you my very strongly held opinion. Okay, I'll give you my answer, but first I want to tell the folks listening, uh, welcome to Overdue. It's a podcast about the books that we've been to read. My name is Craig. My name is Andrew. And we're going to talk about Vicious by V.E. Schwab in just a few minutes, but I have to answer Andrew's question first. So Yeah, this is I, a society, it's only polite. Now, I'm a greedy dad, so I want the best of both worlds. I want, preferably, um, my children to fail spectacularly i have multiple kids didn't tell you um i want them <laughs> to fail spectacularly All with the same person or is yeah it's like mm-hmm. a sort of okay no it's not like a travel it's not like papa was a rolling stone situation but um i th- my kids fail spectacularly. You know, 20, 23 of me is ruining everyone's father's <laughs> oh, day as i understand no. it um my kids they love nailed it and so they tried to make a nailed it breakfast and they totally failed it um and i you know we took a lot of fun photos and it was great and then um they leave they go to like a science center and like learn things but also it's fun yeah sure i am home and get to eat two pizzas and play on the computer all day like that i think i want the version where i still have like social media appropriate things to share like look at this bad cake my kids made right and they love me so much that that bad kid content gets you a lot of likes i've seen people you get a lot of likes for tweeting about your kids doing stuff bad and wrong yes cute because they're like three Yes, because it's I think all... we need to have higher standards. But <laughs> so that's that's what I want. I want my kids to like fail lovingly at food, and then leave me alone to eat garbage food that they shouldn't see me eat. Um, and then they'll come back later and tell me all about the stuff that they didn't learn because they're like four and okay, you know, whatever. What do you want? That actually, I was gonna say, please leave. I want to wake <laughs> up and for it to be like my kids got raptured like and that, like they were never there, but. You sold me on having a brief time in the morning where we do have cute things that happen and then they clear out. How about a version of Father's Day where they are taught how much they love you and need you by being taken away from you for a few hours? 
Now, are we talking about somewhat like a responsible parent or guardian takes them? Yes, or are we talking yes. like a Liam Neeson kind of... No, not a, not a like stage staged kidnapping, because <laughs> that's a different vibe. No, 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 no. But like your co-parent says, hey, we're going to let daddy do his thing for a little while. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be like, no, I don't want to. And they're like, no, daddy needs to be independent. And you need to learn self-sufficiency and independence, too. We're yeah, going to leave. Da- daddy's his own person still, yes. Kevin. He doesn't define himself by you, Kevin. Yeah, Kevin. Um, and then you, the whole time you spent by yourself on Father's Day reading Vicious by V.E. Schwab for yeah. our podcast. Yeah. Because we got to get the kids out. So we we, still, we got to get the kids out before we can make the content. <laughs> you can't have them down here in the content mines with you. They'll get... No, the, we passed they'll get, laws. They'll get, the, they'll get the bit lung disease. They'll get all the bits and bites up in their lungs. And yeah. They'll, Upton they'll, Sinclair they'll wrote books about this, why we can't have kids in the content mines. Mm-hmm. Um. So we're going to talk about V.E. Schwab's Vicious. This was uh, a book that I think you had staked out pretty early, like after we had read Darker Shade of Magic for episode 308. Because it, it was on the Patreon list, yes. right? Yes. Brittany, who actually wrote in uh, yesterday being like, I think I'm the one who recommended this to you. So let me just tell you that I like it. Um what does Brittany say? Uh, recommended this book because Schwab is a female fantasy author. You guys try to keep your reads diversified as possible. We try. Um, and chose Vicious because I love the way it blurs the lines between villain and hero and questions how intentions factor into a person's morality or lack thereof. And because I find the characters fascinating, especially um, one who thinks he can redeem himself by destroying others like him. I think we're going to find out more about that. We sure are. Um, but yeah, we talked about Darker Shade of Magic, which is a bit more explicitly like a fantasy novel, historical fantasy novel. Um, well, and it's a um, it's a trilogy that she has finished, and I think there's, if I recall correctly, there's trilogy. another trilogy yes. that's that's starting. But um, yeah, Vicious is going to be a trilogy, I think, but I don't know that it was necessarily planned that way. This is the first one; it was published in 2013, and then I think the second. Uh, Vengeance came out in 2018. That's true. And I believe that there is a planned third one. But yeah, she says of... um, This is an interview about why she wrote the book. Uh, Honestly, Vicious was just a love affair of project. I was losing love of writing. I was under a lot of contracts, under a lot of deadlines, and I'd kind of forgotten what it felt like to write just for pleasure. And so Vicious was a secret. I wrote it secretly for three years. I never told anyone that I was working on it. I didn't want to jinx it. I just wanted it to be for me. And I thought, if I don't have to worry about saleability, if I don't have to worry about where this fits in on a shelf... Uh, What would I write? And at the time, I really wanted to explore the notions of heroism and villainy and the idea of could I write a book that had only villains and make you root for one of them anyway? Sure, 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 sure. And then five years passed before Vicious, uh, before the sequel Vengeful came out. Vengeful. That's I I knew it had Venge in it. (laughs) I believe it's Vengeful. Um, And like, as you said, the whole Darker Shade of Magic trilogy happened in between um, she's given a couple interviews about like the way the world has literally changed since 2013, or at least the ways in which uh, a lot of things have risen to the surface, uh, bad things. Um, and she Take your of, word for it. Yeah. Um, and she's kind of felt differently about the types of worlds that she's creating um, and trying to portray. Uh, I think she said that like Vicious was designed as a standalone because she wasn't sure how it would be received and so like didn't plot it as the first of three but 
made a world. That's definitely true, but yeah, she definitely leaves herself both a cliffhanger ending and a world with a lot of other things to explore. (laughs) Sure, 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 sure. Um, Back in our episode on Darker Shade of Magic, we talked about um, how she was born in 1987, so she makes us feel very accomplished. Um, Listen, we have a pretty good podcast. Yeah, it's going well, (laughs) I think. If we didn't have to do this every week, we probably also would have written... 12 books since 2013 sure, definitely <laughs> um you also might know some of her books under the name victoria schwab which she uses for writing some ya and middle grade books like the archived everyday angel and monsters of verity um she's talked in a number of interviews about which genres or parts of the market respond better or worse to perceptions around women writers um, and she has kind of chosen to navigate them as best she can. Um, but most of the time you will see it written out as V.E. Victoria Schwab or vice versa when you're like seeing her in interviews and stuff. Um, yeah, you talked about the the like writing this in secret thing, which I think is an interesting way to think about novels she's talked about like that that name thing is interesting because she's clearly aware of herself and like the marketability of stories and an author's identity and then has spoken multiple times about what it is to write a thing when you're not thinking about that which is just like i don't you know there's not a good way around that that's just kind of the way the world works unfortunately um it's fun to read interviews with her i've read like some interviews in paste and book riot and stuff where she like will just casually drop D D alignment charts and like harry potter sorting as just like kind of shorthand to talk about characters and it's just it's like refreshing and interesting to see an author like of our age bracket just talk about that kind of stuff well because i don't like that that's just how we that's talk how yeah. the internet communicates about <laughs> what kinds of people are like there are for better or for worse certain connotations that come with being a hufflepuff or whatever yeah and it's (laughs) that that most people who are talking about this kind of thing are gonna understand on on some level like like even if like you don't have a deep and enduring relationship with the harry potter books but i think from context clues you've picked up i know which one is which harry potter houses now i would love for you to tell me which one's which right now Well, well i'll fill in the name so there's gryffindor what are they they're uh the heroic jerks like they do good but it's about the glory and doing the good for like getting some attention sometimes good okay slytherin they're lin-manuel miranda they are people who are out to their for themselves they're not necessarily bad but they're cunning and clever and the and the internet the, I think the internet Slytherin is the most distance from the book Slytherin, where the internet has sort of reclaimed Recla- Slytherin <laughs> yeah. as a place to be smart and sort of out for yourself in a way that doesn't equate it with like evil genocide. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's a good point. That's a good point. So, so there's that. Uh, okay, Ravenclaws. They're they're the smart ones who don't. I think there's a version of me that's a Ravenclaw. This is the toughest one where they're like book smart, not street smart. Um, but they're not really into like 
rocking the boat necessarily. I don't okay. know. I don't have a good framework for Ravenclaw. Hufflepuff is all about hugs and like being a cool high dude, and also talking about how you're a Hufflepuff all the time. Yeah, you do like you you like try to oversell the value of being a Hufflepuff, right? Because you have a lot invested in people thinking that it's that it's good. Yeah, that's what I understand. <laughs> All right, now that we've rocked that boat yes. a bunch of times, just uh, a lot of times. Just wanted to make sure. I do think, because the Slytherin thing came up because she said that she would be a Slytherin, I think. Yeah, um, right. She, in talking about, there's a good Book Riot interview about the second book, um, Vengeful, as we said, which came out in the fall of 2018, um, talking a lot about uh, how the first book deals with toxic masculinity and in and like issues of men who are villains and men who are trying to like hold on to control and things like that and then revisiting that world five years later uh in the year of our lord 2018 and thinking like maybe i don't want to go back to that well in the same way yeah I've like got... I'll, I'll say that there are interesting women in this book but also it's primarily about the two men and there is definitely a woman who exists only to be killed to be like a sort of a catalyst for for other things yes yes um and then one of the interesting women also gets killed later so <laughs> okay so, um yeah because she she says uh of herself as a slytherin i've always been ambitious i heard when i was very young from somebody they thought i would either be a novelist or a cult leader and i've chosen novelist <laughs> okay um, I don't know why you have to choose, but and, sure. Yep. And she talks about, um, you know, female ambition and perceptions of powerful women in Vengeful. And then this is what she says about Vicious. Vicious was a really aggressively male book. I totally admit to that. When I wrote it in 2011, 2013, I was still not out. I was still dealing with a lot of my own identity and sexuality. I'd always grown up really, really masculine, very defeminized. And I wanted to write these Magneto Professor X stereotypes and look at obsession and toxic masculinity and the way that these things get automatically eroticized, things like that. So I stand by the fact that I wrote it as male as I did. And she talks about male characters wanting to take control. And then the second book is about them all being out of control <laughs> and what what happens to fill that power vacuum and who kind of rises up. When I think um, one, one of the two main characters in in this book turns out to be asexual, I think, in, in Vengeful huh. as well. Interesting. Which is, I, think, I mean, I, I don't know that it was planned that way from the start. There's nothing in this book that contradicts it. It's one, it's one yeah. of those fictional things where you leave... You leave something just totally unsketched in so you can sketch in stuff later and you don't have to retcon anything, I think. Yeah, she's also talked about uh, the portrayal of gender in the Darker Shade of Magic books. The first one, what is that called? I read it. Is it called Darker Shade of Magic? Yes, it is. I thought that was just the name of the series. Um, the main character in that book is like a purposefully kind of defeminized woman. Um, and she's talked about how like if that character existed in... 2019 they might use the word gender fluid or not um mm -hmm. but that's not part of that world's vocabulary so sure um she's i think you brought up some folks go back to listen to that episode i think it's a pretty good episode but you brought up some some quotes where she talked about like the responsibility as a creator of fictional worlds to like expand the possibility space as opposed to 
leaning on like historical precedent crutches that don't as exist opposed in to your in, fantasy world yeah, as, op- as opposed to inventing a world with like dragons and ice giants and then saying well it, it would have been it it would have been this way every all the women would have been assaulted all the time yeah yeah it, that's just realistic yeah can't just can't think of anything else i mean the history books just say it um <laughs> Uh, well, so Listen, let's, it's, it's fiction, but we're not trying to get crazy. <laughs> let's, let's not get crazy in here. Um, why don't you start telling me about this book, Andrew? I have some other stuff about like villains, and I th- it's my understanding that this book does lean into some like comic booky tropes. Um, so maybe we'll revisit some of those ideas as we go. Yeah. So when I, I was reading her talking about some of her different books, and this book, if you want to talk about it as a sort of x-men thing okay i think it would be most accurate to say that everyone is magneto <laughs> not o- not in, oops not, all magneto <laughs> oops all magnetos and not in terms of power but in terms of where they are on the morality spectrum oh, which sure. is to say that they are often antagonists but not always antagonists yes and a lot of their personality, I guess, and a lot of their motivations is wrapped up in what they think about other people like them. Okay. Um, so it's not it's not like a clean mapping, but I think that, that if you're trying to find where on the superhero, supervillain, antihero spectrum everyone is on, I think everybody is somewhere between antihero and antagonist. And I would I guess I would argue that an antagonist slash supervillain is just a like it, it is an anti-hero whose head you haven't been inside it's like yeah. nobody, like it, it goes into how nobody thinks they're the villain right i was looking for any sort of scholarship on this and i'm sure people i'm sure if there's like a journal of comics or something like an academic comics journal that folks can send me their jstor password for like that i can use for the show that'd be great but mostly in, i ended in, up in sp- Spidipedia Britannica. There it is. Mostly no, I ended <laughs> it's not, up. It's not, that's not where it is. <laughs> mostly I ended up on like forums and things f- after Googling what's the difference between <laughs> a supervillain and an antihero. And like the Watchmen wiki yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, but a couple like blog posts and stuff were talking about like antiheroes ultimately do the right thing, though they might not be happy about it. Your Han Solos, your Deadpools, your Wolverines. People who like reject the call, like the heroic call, but still end up like fighting on the side of good. Uh, maybe they're fighting the man also, and like they're teaching you a thing about the world. Whereas like villains, due to context, are more selfish or sticking to their own interests. Like Walter White is an interesting example of like, well, for a few seasons he's an antihero, and then he's just definitely a villain, or was he a villain the whole time? Kind of thing. Um, depending on like how you treat the Joker, he's mostly a villain, but then every, I mean, we got to see how this new movie pans out. Yeah. That, Oh God, that's sick. Walking Phoenix movie. Maybe he'll be, maybe he'll be so sympathetic now. Yeah. I don't know. And, and a couple of the, we'll, we'll say <laughs> a couple of the ruminations. Love this anti-hero stuff. Like it, it's, it gets you in a character's head so you can get to a, well, now that I understand the full context. Yeah, like, it's very dangerous. I, I too would have become the Joker. <laughs> <laughs> it's I too would have du- dumped all those people in acid. Like it's very, it can get slippery if if like 
If you get acid everywhere. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, so, what, okay, just tell me about this book. I don't want to talk about too many other books until we absolutely have to. Well, it's, just, it's, it's important to talk about other books because Schwab is, like, self like, she is admittedly... Riffing and, like, Riffing playing. on other yeah. stuff. Okay. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, if you want to think about other other popular works that aren't strictly black and white as far as like superhero supervillain is concerned i think watchmen's probably the other touch point i'd hit after x-men yeah um outside not, of superheroes. not quite the incredibles because incredibles is really like part of its universe is that yeah sure sure it's it's got these pretty clearly delineated things but it it also is playing in this this what does it mean to be a hero how does that interact with the real world space? Yeah, I think once you have notions of good guys and bad guys, that changes what you can do with it. Otherwise, you're you're playing in like the Fight Club space where like maybe there's no good guys, but just the bad guy was the main character the whole time kind of stuff. Yeah, you're kind of in that space here. Okay. All right. That might be an interesting touch point. Uh, so let's let's talk about the book. The yeah. book is written in um, it's close third person jumping around between perspectives a lot like there are not always even like chapter breaks what, or... what you think of as like point of view sections it's just like you, you will sometimes find yourself near the thoughts of anybody who happens to be in the scene with you at the same time great um great it does it mostly breaks up into point of view chapters but not always like every new chapter every new section like begins with a bolded word and usually it is somebody's name but that doesn't always mean that you're in their head which i found i'm not going to say it's confusing or whatever but it was you have to it takes some focus and yeah yeah like you're just you're you're not always in the in the head of the person you're expecting to be anyways um it is it takes place over around a decade and it jumps back and forth in time a lot though for the most part timelines still happen linearly like for for the first half of the book or so you're jumping back and forth between now 10 years ago and like two days ago okay and all three of those timelines like you 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 the you understand that two days ago is happening before the stuff now but everything that's headlined like two days ago is happening kind of in sequence does that make sense yes that no that Yes, it's like parallel. Yeah, if I tried to explain it more, it wouldn't make any sense. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, but it's it's a bunch of parallel lines separated by time that's clearly spelled out at the beginning of each chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the first half of the book, you're mostly dealing with uh, Victor Vale, who is as close to a protagonist as I think we get. And then um, Sydney, who is a 13-year-old girl, and then this big old... This big guy whose head you don't end up inside until later, but he's still around in all these. Uh, his name is Mitch. And then um, the main other, uh, the, the character who you don't start to get POV stuff from until about halfway through is Eli, who is the other, like Victor and Eli are the two people the book is mostly concerned with. Does this take place in like our world in Earth 2 or whatever? It's not quite our world because extraordinaries or eos as they are called are those like inner caps extraordinaries yeah are they they exist in this place where they they do exist and 
society acknowledges that they exist to the extent that most cops get training on EO stuff. Okay. But people tend not to take it very seriously, Hmm. most people. And when things do happen, they're often covered up or like quickly forgotten about. It's presented as a thing that is sort of kind of accepted. It's like one step above like YouTube's about how Bush did 9-11. Whoa. Okay. But also it's not like a thing that you go out on. Like it's not on CNN the news every talk day. About. Yeah, right. Yes, but it's not a full-on men in black situation where it is like completely eradicated. It's just not on it's not on everyone's radar. Yeah, and it's not even an X-Men thing where like society knows about these things and there's like a movement to get rid of them or okay. whatever. But it does um, is, is it taking place in a facsimile of Earth in that like it exists in real cities and things like that. Oh. I mean, it's not not really kind of. It's not important. Okay. All it's right. it's Earth, basically, but it doesn't really matter what cities it's taking place so in. So it's like the Matrix. Okay, I understand. I guess. Man, like, there's just like a city. They don't tell you where it is. It's all that kind of stuff. I just want to know. I mean, like, the cities have names and stuff. It just doesn't matter that much. Okay. I'm just the wondering. Like, like, the city's not a character, Mr. Gotham City, well, Spider-Man, okay. whatever over here. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering about. All right, sure. No, okay. Ten years ago, you're at college with these guys, Victor and Eli. They're like 21, 22, and they're real hot shots. <laughs> they're big science hot shots, and they're both very charismatic and like eerily charismatic. And they both like they're they're drawn to each other because they're charismatic in the same in a similar sort of way. Like they can occasionally let their guard down with each other and they're both kind of fascinated by that mm-hmm. um they both got sort of troubled backgrounds victor was raised by a couple of self-help authors who are never around and wrote a million billion books that victor's hobby is to like go through and sharpie out everything except leaving individual words it's kind of like an art project thing yeah, that's definitely just an art project that he's making. <laughs> it's not. Well, it's yeah. I mean, it's it's both a narrative device and a, and a sort of art project and therapy project. Yeah. Okay. So his parents weren't really around that much. Uh, Eli was abused some as a as a kid. Has scars from it. Um, his parents were very religious, and he also has a relationship with. God that is sort of nebulously defined, but it is important to his to his character. Okay, um, especially later after the the big event happens. Sure, sure. So what you get in the as as we're switching back and forth between this present day and this ten years ago narrative. In the present day, Victor's been in jail for ten years, and he's oh. looking for Eli. <laughs> okay, and they have like superpowers, <laughs> <laughs> and in college. They are thinking and talking about superpowers and wondering about questions like, okay, so this is uh, Victor and Eli talking. Um, In comic books, there are two ways a hero is made, nature and nurture. You have Spider-Man who was born the way he was, or Superman who was born the way he was, and Spider-Man who was made that way. 
Um, if you do even a basic web search for EOs, you find the same divide. Some people claiming that EOs are born extraordinary and others suggesting everything from radioactive goo and poisonous insects to random chance. Let's say you manage to find an EO, so you've got the proof they do exist. The question becomes, how are they born or are they made? Okay. Okay. So like, so, so comic books exist in this world. That's It's like interesting, like when you read zombie fiction, like... Have they ever seen Dawn of the Dead? Have they ever seen a zombie? And I would argue that at this point in 2019, you can only make zombie fiction where zombie fiction doesn't exist. Yeah, you can't. Because otherwise it would be way too easy. Like, zombies are not even a threat. We are all so well prepared to deal with zombies. It's like a tornado drill at this point. (laughs) Tornado, like you go, you, you go That's in the, the basement. New Sharknado. You, you get in the basement. You get under the door frame or whatever, and you're fine. Yeah, it's that. There's door frame earthquakes. I don't remember. Door frame is earthquakes. Basement and like away from windows is tornado. Right. Yeah. Um. But you know, stay safe. All the same. Um. I did find a Forbes article, Andrew, about oh, how to get superpowers because that's where I want to go. So I'm just going to gonna get up and go and like get a snack or something while you read to me from Forbes. So uh, this guy, David Walt, was writing in 2012 in the games section of Forbes oh about how to get superpowers. This and is a this is an inside baseball publish, publication yeah. publishing thing, but. Uh-huh. Every games section or or publication <laughs> becomes a pop culture section because they need page views. They need yes, that's true. That's my that, this is my this is what I believe. And he helpfully he broke down all the different ways to become a superhero with the fact and the fiction. So like the first one is like build a suit and the fiction is like Iron Man and the fact is yeah, the army is making like super suits. Um you can work out a bunch like Batman. Um you can use alien technology. Uh, Batman has what is functionally a super suit. He is also rich, which like yeah, I mean he's rich, but he has like a lot of gadgets. He has a Batmobile. He has if you were he is in the same category as super suit, which is technological innovations that make you super powered. Yes, that's true. Um, you could use alien technology, which like more and more stories breaking about that every day. So maybe we'll get there. Um, more and more. You can use special drugs like Captain America or just methamphetamines, like or Popeye baseball in the sixties. Um, you can use magic, like you doc- need to. I want you to Popeye. Yeah, banana, banana, the spinach. Spinach is a special substance. We never knew what was in that spinach. It's like his. Uh, what's that movie about the pill that you take? Oh, the Bradley Cooper movie, Invincible or Immortable? No. Or- oh God. Why could I never remember? Th- how many times have I needed to know the name of this movie and how many times have I forgotten? <laughs> anyway, it's Popeye's like that. Yep. Um, you Bradley can use... Super pill movie. Yep. Um, something limits? Limitless? Limitless. There, there it is. There you go. So Popeye's limitless. Yep. Um, <laughs> spinach. You can use magic like Doctor Strange or Penn and Teller, I guess. Um you can expose I don't your- think you use magic to be super powered. That's like you what just, Dr. You Strange just, does. You, you are super powered because you can use no, magic. No, he uses arcane arts. Um, Ugh, radiation, okay. like Spider-Man Hulk. Um, that's the fact. That's the fiction. Chernobyl I is I love Spider-Man Hulk. Um, you He's could my just, favorite Spider-Man and my favorite Hulk. <laughs> you could just be born special like the X-Men. 
Um, the, that's the fiction. And the fact from this article is in 2004, the New England Journal of Medicine reported on a German baby with a genetic mutation that boosts muscle growth. At the age of four, this, quote, superboy had muscles twice the size of other kids his age and could hold seven pound weights with his arms extended, a feat many adults can't accomplish. That's a bit on the nose. German superboy. <laughs> yeah. uh, Dude, was, was Jack... From the movie Jack, the Robin Williams movie Jack. He's a superhero. Did he have some kind of super soldier hormone that was meant to get us, you know, adult human males to send to war like really fast, but he just escaped the government Mm. and became a regular schoolboy? Yeah, that's, I think that's definitely what happened. I've read that. That's what happens in Jack 2. Oh, yes. That's definitely what happens in Jack 2 in the Jackiverse. And the last one in this article is Be from Space. Just. Be Superman. <laughs> Come from another planet where everyone has superpowers, thanks to our son. So in this story, how does it work? They're made. How so? Trauma, basically. Hmm, um, okay. What needs to happen, like the the inciting event that they all that that, that Eli with Victor's help closes in on is um you need to have Either a near, either actually die and then come back, or have a near death experience so strong and so close that you become completely convinced that you're about to die. Whoa! Okay. And something like some combination of the fact that you get really close to death, or you die and then you come back, combined with the extreme, um, like the fear and the trauma and the emotional reaction trigger something in you and you get some kind of superpower usually that is um related in some way to the thing that that happened to you it's a little inconsistent throughout the throughout the book like that that's one part of the theory that's not um conclusively fully explained but yeah that's that's normally how it works and so what what it turns out that you can with the right kind of death i guess you can do this to yourself like most of the eos who we meet in this book this is an this is an accident this is something they did they didn't ask for it just kind of happened to them eli and victor eli first followed by victor do it to themselves in the names of in the name of like science and experimentation of course in the name of science no other motivations i'm sure yeah everybody says science is so great but Every supervillain is because of a science accident. Most so you tell me, villains are yeah. scientists. <laughs> yeah. Checks out. They really wanted to do some science, and they they either lost their funding or did the science bad, and now or they they're did a super the science villain. too good, oh, and yeah. then, and they achieved their desired results, and they're like, well, I'm I know everything. I'm just evil now. I'm just evil now. So what happens to them in this experiment that they conduct? Um. So Eli is like submerged in a bath of ice for so long that his like body shuts down and Victor is there and he gives him like EpiPens and, and just barely like get brings him back to life. And Eli comes back with like a power to regenerate himself. Like he heals instantly from okay. wounds. Wolverine. Sure. I mean, he doesn't have adamantium bones. He's just a guy who can heal. 
Yeah, no, but that's the reason that Wolverine could even get the adamantium in the first place is because of the yeah, healing. Yeah, but he could the still ex, but, the healing factor. But he could still extend like the weird bone claws. Yes, from he his does hands. have bone claws. Hurts every time. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so what happens to the other dude? <laughs> uh, Victor, who is jealous of Eli, kind of, and kind of worried about Eli because something seems off. Um. Victor, with the help of uh, this mutual friend slash Eli's girlfriend, uh, Angie, um, ends up kind of electrifying, like electrocuting himself. And when he comes back, he kills Angie by accident because his power is he can both control the amount of pain that he himself feels, but he can also give it to or take it away from other people. Yee. Does he have so to it's be a, like a weird telepathic pain power? Okay. Does he have to be experiencing pain to give it to people, or he can just make you feel pain? He can just make you feel pain. Cool. Great. 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 Okay. It's really great. Um. But yeah, it's it's kind of interesting because he he has to find for for people this place where he takes their pain away, but doesn't take away their ability to like feel any sensations at all. Cause otherwise Ooh. they'll just like cut themselves and bleed out because they didn't realize that they cut themselves, uh. which is what happened to my dad when he found out they had diabetes and he had oh like a thing God. in his foot. <laughs> oh jeez! So I guess my dad is like a super power. Hey, Superman. That's what I'm saying. You know, for except father's when, day. <laughs> except when it comes to sugar, that's his kryptonite. Oh my God. Don't give him jelly beans. Is diabetes a bad superpower? It, I think it's pretty bad. That price of insulin is too high. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, take care of yourselves. Go to the doctor. Far be it for me to make light of diabetes. I'm mostly just like, this is my my daddy. You get, you had, get to Josh my daddy your had daddy. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. That's that's reasonable. <laughs> um, so my daddy who once ate so many jelly beans that he threw up as like a. 30 something year old man. Oh my gosh. Has diabetes now. Oh no. <laughs> who could have predicted this turn of events? Oh no. <laughs> Dad. He's, fine. he's he's doing very well. He's doing very well with his new dietary restrictions and it's That's, great. Okay. Um so excited what to be, excited to be a grandfather. So uh Eli killed a lady? Yeah. Is that why it one of them accident. was in prison? Yeah, yeah, well Victor killed a lady. Oh, Victor! Wait, is that what you said? I which one has the electric? Which one has the pain powers? Victor has pain powers. Oh, okay. Eli so, has regeneration powers. Okay, so Victor killed a lady, and he went to jail. And so Eli, on its on on its face, because his girlfriend Angie was killed by Victor, is very upset with his one his one time friend. Yeah. And like calls the cops on him and tells him, "Ooh, I think this guy's an EO. And he gets like the EO squad on the case. Because as I told you, all the cops get this EO training. But some cops have to actually take it seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the true believers. Yeah, like like how probably every cop has to take murder training, but like only some cops are like homicide detectives, you know? Yep, that's what they call it. This is exactly... That's definitely what it is. Not how to murder somebody, but how to find a murder. Welcome to murder training. (laughs) Here are knives. Here's what blood do. (laughs) It's murder day here at the police school. 
Yesterday was dog time. Today's Man, murder I, day. Ugh, I hate when they teach us about murders. <laughs> People keep saying you bring your work home. Ooh. Yikes. Um, okay, so he called the cops, so yeah, the EO squad. The EO squad's on the case. Victor's going to get thrown out of prison. But what's what's really the complicating thing about the transition to superhero-ness yeah. is that people come back with something missing. And this, again, like the how is your superpower attached to what you were thinking when you died or the way that you died is not fully fleshed out kind of on purpose. But you come back not being quite who you were like you, you are you and you have your memories, but you don't feel the way you did. You have sort of a pretty, pretty consistently. There is this lack of um, like fear and a lack of empathy that makes people like Eli talks several times about there being this gap between how he knows he should feel about something and how he does feel. And there's nothing he can do to, to sort of, of bridge that. Okay. Um, and so Eli becomes convinced something Eli was thinking because of his, like his relationship with God, he was thinking as he was dying, you know, he, I'm putting myself in God's hands and he's going to bring me back if he wants to. And so even though he has this gap between what he thinks he should feel and what he, what he does feel and he does feel like different than he did before. And he's bothered by it. He thinks, you know, I am, I am here because of God. God must want something of me. Oh, you know what I bet it is, is that EOs are, there's something, there's something wrong with them. They're unnatural. They should not be. And I am here to, get rid of them oh that's an interesting twist yeah and and so it's it's especially interesting because several times he has to interface with this idea like i believe that eos are not right because there's there's just something about who they were as regular people that doesn't exist anymore while also grappling with the fact that that does describe him still and so how does he justify his own existence um, one easy way that he he kind of does this is um, his superpower, which is healing, is a mm-hmm. thing that he does himself. Like his healing superpower does not do anything to anybody else. Oh, sure, yes, it is whereas, not a thing that hurts yeah. other people or affects them in any way. Yeah, whereas so so Victor has this pain power. Um, uh, Serena, who is. Um, who is the uh, sister of the character whose name is just briefly escaping me, Sydney. Uh, Serena, who is Sydney's older sister, has this power where people just do what she says. Oh, gosh. All the time. Um, Can she control it? Or or is it literally anytime she just Anytime tells- she gives anyone any kind of command, they just uh, do it. Like there is, okay. there's very little resistance to this thing. Um, which we can talk about for the for the rest of the time. Uh, Sydney's thing is that she can bring people back from the dead, Ooh. and they are just f- people and other like she brings a dog back from the dead, and it's just her trusty dog. Um, this okay, is, this she just she brings them back, and it is 
the the thing that describes how it works best, I guess, is she is in the morgue in the hospital. So she and her sister fell into a frozen pond, like fell through the ice and both almost died. Okay. Um, but came back. So in, in the way that creates an EO, but you know, by accident, not something they did to themselves. Sure. Um, and Sydney discovers this power that she has when she is in the morgue and she's next to like a body that it had all of its organs removed, like as part of the autopsy. And this, this person comes back and seems fine. Like it's, it's not like a zombie thing. It's not, it doesn't matter that the, like, the liver is not there anymore or whatever. They're just back. They're just animated. And whatever, and, and whatever killed them does not, is not a problem anymore, though they can be killed again like if someone dies of cancer you can bring them back but like you still shoot them with bullets and they still die (laughs) yeah sure okay uh neat uh so where all of these storylines intersect is uh serena and eli meet up so this is you know the victor gets arrested 10 years pass more or less even though you do get some like interstitial stuff where you find out some things that happen to some other characters like halfway through the book you start getting stuff from eli you start getting stuff from Mitch, who is a big, not an EO, but he has, there's some kind of like bad luck or a curse that he talks about that follows him around that just, he is constantly in the wrong place at the wrong time. But he's a guy who uh, Victor met in prison and has teamed up with. Um, What was Mitch doing in prison? Mitch was like wrongly accused of crimes all the time (laughs) because he was a big, he's a big boy, but he's also a smart boy. Okay. So like the first time he got arrested, he was arrested because somebody like two blocks over had died and Mitch didn't do it, but he did have bloody knuckles from another fight that he was in, uh, like an unrelated fight. Yeah. Okay. And so he got, he got, pin- like, it, it was pinned on him. Okay. And that sort of thing just like follows, follows him around for a while. And then he decides, you know, if I'm going to be arrested for doing crimes all the time, I might as well start doing crime. Oh my God. The system <laughs> And so sucks. he becomes, he becomes like a combo like muscle plus hacker person yes he's any like seven people from oceans 11 all rolled into (laughs) one guy and i do like mitch a lot mitch is good all the all the characters in this i like okay pretty pretty well um even the evil people who kill people i mean they're all evil people who kill people okay gosh sydney's the closest thing we get to an innocent sure um so where these where these storylines intersect is Eli and Serena meet and Serena actually starts like she, she had noticed Eli following her around. He was trying to kill her because he's come up with this, you know, this sort of algorithm kind of where he can, where he can look at, okay, this person had some kind of near death experience and then weird stuff started happening after. And because he thinks his like his God given responsibility is to kill all the EOs, he starts tracking them and killing them. So he has like a Google like search alert for near death like people who almost died in freakish ways, basically. And then he will track them down later. Okay, I mean, that there's no sense. there are no there are no brand names associated with his patented sure. Superhero algorithm, but sure, yeah, it's a combo of the the weekly email I get about dinosaur facts and like some good microfiche research to like track down people. Yeah, okay, okay. Um, 
So uh, Serena and Eli meet. Serena is like, why are you why are you following me? And he because, you know, everybody who hears her has to do what she says. He says, I was going to kill you. (laughs) (laughs) And so their relationship is become such that even though they are mostly carrying out Eli's mission, she is in charge Mm. because she can just tell him not to kill her every day. Like every day she's like, you're not going to kill me today. And he's like, one of these days you're going to forget to say that. (laughs) Does it like, and she is, and she is fascinated with him because he is one of the very, very few people she has ever met who has even tried to resist in any way. Like, like if, if, if her questions or commands are even a little vague or open-ended, he'll find some small way to push back on it. Mm. And because the world just opens up in front of her, she, she uses a, um, a Moses metaphor hmm. to describe the way that the world parts before her, to, regardless of what she wants. Neat. She is like simultaneously addicted to and bored by that. And so Eli gives her something that she doesn't get from most other people. Okay. Okay. Uh, so Eli and Serena have sort of teamed up because they've got this codependent thing going on. And Eli says, what, what about your sister? Like what happened to your sister? And, and they meet up with Sydney and Serena, like, because she, she, because she thinks herself, like, I am, I am not who I was. Oh, this person isn't my sister because she's been talking with Eli. Like, again, it's a thing where Serena is literally in charge, but it's Eli's like animating mission. That's like driving them. Well, because she is bored and kind of needs a thing to do. Yeah. And, and because he can't not kill her (laughs) (laughs) because of his God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like he, he, he wants to kill her, but can't. And so they're just like teamed up now (laughs) sort of by, by necessity, but they go to kill Sydney and don't, you know, you come and think King, you best not miss. So they do miss. (laughs) And Victor, because he's tracking Eli because he needs his revenge finds Sydney. Like it's Victor and Mitch and Sydney, all teamed up now and are going to do this thing. Um, I don't want to, I guess, ruin the rest of the book. Okay. Okay. Cause like the, the conclusion is satisfying and interesting in terms of how yeah, it shakes there's a out. Lot of, there's a lot of sort of like single and double and triple crossing that happens. And I think people will be into, but you've, you've got this collection of people like Victor is out to get Eli because he's been thinking about how Eli sort of turned on him and thinks he's he's literally God's gift to the planet Earth, even though he is no better than any other EO. Sure. Um, you've got Eli who believes that his friend was replaced by some person who looks like his friend and talks like his friend, but isn't his friend is some like soulless version of his friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so yeah, where, where the book comes down is everybody's a villain, but everybody's also sympathetic. Sure. Like you do, you do get a lot of evidence that the EOs who have come back are missing something that's really important to about like being human, you know, like they're missing some kind of like, whether it's empathy or like a self-preservation instinct, 
they're just missing they're missing the thing that makes society work yeah yeah yeah, yeah on yeah, some yeah. level and so yeah it is probably dangerous for these kinds of people to proliferate and what happens if they find each other and what happens if they feel threatened and what happens if they'd say you know i am literally better than regular people so why don't i reorder society to make that literally true yeah well and it's interesting too because it's it seems to skirt the so like the x men has its roots in the civil rights era as like people are born with these abilities and these differences and how do we as a society like make room for that and like how does that radicalize people on 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 even people who have those abilities get radicalized like a magneto or something like that um and then you have like the spider-man like with Spider-Man. Yeah. All, uh, uh, spiders, man. Um, okay, sure. Have like, oh, I get this power. Now I have to like live up to its promise, its potential, like um, the Uncle Ben thing. Um, and this is seems like it kind of is diving both of those things and just saying like, well, they get it because they almost die and then they come back and they're bad. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And to like have a power to have this much power or like outsized human control would inevitably make you bad or like is there do they talk about much the different like their own awareness of how they've changed? Yeah, uh, like, I mean, kind of all the time. Um, yeah. So so Eli thinks he's the good guy because he is ridding the world of these abominations Victor thinks I don't even know that Victor thinks he's the good guy, but Victor Yeah, what does he want other than Victor, to stop I Eli? mean he he wants to stop Eli and he also has this like like Victor picks up strays in a way that is sort of perfect Professor Xy oh, just a okay. little bit. Okay. Like he does pick up and befriend Sydney. He does pick up and befriend not even befriend, like he he there's this guy who almost died in a mining accident his entire existence is pain like he he hurts all the time but his superpower that he got is he can slip into the shadows he 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 calls it and like instantaneously move somewhere else but he so in in what we would consider the like the normal reality normal timeline he can instantly disappear and reappear somewhere else okay to him reality resists being moved through in that way so he can like drop into this other like slow-mo matrix bullet time timeline and like very slowly like wade his way through time to other places oh weird yeah, so even though he can, like, t- to us, he would instantly disappear and reappear. To him, he has to, like, push through, um, if that makes sense. It's kind of yeah, like it trying to walk underwater where you've got all this resistance to the the movements that you're <sighs> that you're making. Huh. Well, um, that, and that doesn't make it a fun superpower, necessarily. No, but, like, but Victor, instead of saying, I'm, you're wrong and I'm going to kill you, <laughs> he says, you are, you are useful and I'm going to use you. Now, these things are both bad in their own ways, but... Yeah, yeah. I think the book positions Victor as closer to a protagonist because he's not trying to kill people and does it like go all the way down the road and consider the implications of not killing people? Like, no. And that's why we have sequels, I think. But (laughs) I think on its, on its face, probably killing people is worse than not killing people. 
<laughs> yeah, sure. Um, is Mitch the then, only like non EO we spend time with? Anything? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and even him, like, th- there is something going on with him that we're just not really privy to. I don't think it's an EO thing because we never get the like every other character in the book who's an EO. We get the origin story. This oh, is not. We don't get one with him. It's just like he has got this weird wrong place wrong time bad luck that has followed him around for his entire life it's not in a world where eos exist like probably there's some kind of system that governs this but i don't think that he is an eo in in the way that that you would think of it yeah i'm just i'm thinking through the system right now and liking it more and more in the sense that like you get the flashback you get the you get both an explanation of the power and the like central trauma that would then become core to a person's identity in a way that like happens with trauma anyway. But then now that you've come back with the superpower, like you're going to double down on how important that event was for you. Yeah. And if it sounds like maybe Mitch has like a bunch of little ones, which maybe in whatever the way the world works, he gets like some background superpower, but it's not like this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, I don't know if it's a thing where, where, you like you have to read all the books and then you get one big personal pan pizza because you did all the work or <laughs> because if you did like half the work you can still get like half a pizza yeah or like you get the lottery all at once or in like a bunch of like smaller payouts because you're playing the long game and you're supposed to do it in smaller payouts right for like tax reasons right that's how you get more of it well you for tax reasons and for like the lottery ruins the lives of everyone who wins it. Well, that's true. Too. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then Serena is, she's sympathetic because she didn't ask for this. She has mixed feelings about whether to kill her little sister or not, which, you know, that same. Hey, <laughs> Oh, um, but she's also sort of bought into Eli's thing. And she also, he, hypnotizes an entire police force because she like gets up she's the she's the reason why the eo squad why scholar and Mulder or whatever <laughs> are working with eli in the first place because she is said eli is a is a hero he's a hero oh weird um, so she so she gets up in front of all the cops and says this man's a hero do what he says and so she so like she is she is a a young woman who is very conflicted, but also in two seconds could talk her way onto TV and then hypnotize everyone. So there are a lot of a lot of implications there, as you as you might be able to surmise. Yeah, I can think about where some ways that the story might need to go. Yeah, to so keep... that's yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's the book. It, it takes like two or two and a half hours to read. Um. I'm thinking about I'm I'm not sure what my reading is going to be like on paternity leave. I'm not sure if it's going to be all show books or if I'm not going to have time to do it at all. Like it's it's a big yeah, question yeah. mark. But I would like to like there there are a couple of books that are not anywhere on our schedule that I'm hoping to read and I'm I kind of want to go back to the to the sequel. second book. Yeah. Um is there anything about so that that quote I read earlier about the like masculinity stuff is there any exploration of that in terms of like the the dude's relationship to these powerful women that they're encountering or their own perceptions of themselves as like powerful guys 
that strikes you? I don't think, and, and this might be a, this might be a product of, of it being written in 2013. And so it's like, it's about toxic masculinity in that there are toxic men Males? in it. Yeah. Okay. But it's, but it's not like about that, you know, in a way that's explicitly exploring it. It does like, like I said, it does kind of suck that Angie is used pretty, pretty much solely as, this plot device who's like she was she did like Victor and she and Victor were really close and then Eli showed up and she and Eli started smooching and Victor was like jealous and then she dies like it's, she she's she's existing for these two people to orbit around and to like define their relationship to one another but she doesn't really get to be a person in and of herself well and, and um, is it is it a thing where like in the tech in the like the literal text after that animating event is she basically gone? Like she doesn't. Like yeah, prop- she gets brought yeah. up like a couple more times, but like I like I said with Eli, like there's that gap between, especially for Eli, there's that gap between what he thinks he should feel and what he should really feel. And his though his anger at Victor is ostensibly because Victor basically killed his girlfriend. It's not even really about that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it's like it's a she's she's already a trope, but then it's not even really about the trope. It's about the underlying stuff. Yeah, which is more related to their own sense of self and broken sense of self. Okay. Yeah. So so I'd like to. I mean, there there are there are some very good women in this book, and I think there are some other new ones who get introduced in the sequel. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I am. I'm curious to read this, like the the universe in 2013 versus 2018, like. Because there are there are a lot of threads to pull, regardless of whether you're you're doing social commentary stuff or not. And I'm just curious to to read what she what Schwab chooses to foreground in a book written in 2018 versus one written in 2013. Yeah, well, and she wrote a whole bunch of books in between these two books. So like, just yeah, what also, she's up yeah. to as a writer, as I remember, like she's a really like compelling. She has a compelling voice that doesn't like drown out the action. Like it moves pretty well. As yeah, I and that's that's what happens in this book. Like I didn't even. I think it was I started the book on this past Sunday, and I didn't even really mean to do more. Like like when I start reading a book, I'll usually read like the first chapter or two just to like. This is this, I've started the book. I have some idea of how long it's going to take to finish the book. I can plan accordingly. I can plan accordingly. Like that that's my first read for an overdue book usually and I ended up reading like the first quarter of the book in the first huh. sitting with this. Great. So yeah, it goes it goes pretty fast. Cool. Well, thanks for sharing vicious with me, Andrew, and and not killing me, your college roommate. <laughs> or attempting I mean, to. But would you like me to almost kill you so you get superpowers? Yeah, that sounds rad. Um how are you going to do it? <laughs> How would you, how, what would you, you need to be so convinced that you're going to die that you get really scared about it. So think about, I think it's a falling on my head thing. That gives me the skeevies. <laughs> I don't like it. You know, the Shel Silverstein poem about that guy who he wants to eat, like he has to eat another, he can't eat another piece of pie or he'll die. Yeah. But he has to eat another piece of pie uh-huh. or he'll die. I think that's how I'm gonna go. Is yeah. like just too many pie, just too much pie. Mm-hmm. I don't know what our superpowers would be, but folks should let us know. I'm gonna fall on my head, and Aaron's gonna eat too much pie. 
you tell us, uh, you the listener, tell us what superpowers we would have. Hit us up at overduepod at gmail.com uh, or on Twitter or facebook.com slash overduepod. Thanks to folks telling us what they're reading and all sorts of stuff this week, including Connor, Jillian, Aaron, Mary, Kate, Marita, Albie, Gary, Cindy, Christine, Jacqueline, James, Tabitha, Heidi, Sutherland, Molly, Kyle, Duarte, Paulin. That might be a typo. Joe. I'm allergic to Paulin. <laughs> and many more. We had a lot of folks. It was a great week. Um, Andrew, if folks want to know more about the show, where should they go? They should go to OverduePodcast.com, which is our internet website. Up there we have links to our Apple Podcast page, our Google Play page, and our RSS feed. You can also find us on uh, Spotify and on Stitcher. Uh, all those services will give you new episodes of the show on Mondays when they come out and on other days when we release bonus episodes. We also have a, uh, a new listener page on that site that you can direct people to if you're trying to get them into the show. There are a lot of episodes that we're proud of and also episodes we've done on pretty well-known books. So That, that we're not people... proud of at all. We're proud of... Our podcasts are like our children. We want them As to go away. As someone who's about to have a children, we yeah, we want them to go away on Father's Day, but not before they do a nice thing for us. Um, we, <laughs> we have all the, the books that we have read and also the ones that we are going to read for the rest of the month. Uh, Craig, next week you are reading The Crimson Petal and The White... By Michael Faber. It's like Victorian England. There's some prostitutes. Mm. We'll talk. Can't about wait it. to see all. Can't wait to read about all these great petals. Um, I think that's it. That's Craig, it. anything else? No, I don't. I please don't drop me on my head, Andrew. Don't do it. Okay, I won't. I was but just maybe a I'll, joker but maybe earlier. I'll just like trip it t- and like you'll fall down the stairs. Oh, also uh, hit us at uh, overduepod at gmail.com with Q&As, with Qs yep. that we can A for our Q&A episode we're going to record soonish. Yeah, June 20th. So if you're listening to it before June 20th, hit us up with an email. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Try not to almost die and get superpowers. But if you do get a cool one, that's my advice, is at least try to get a cool one. Worth the trouble, you know? <laughs> Worth the trouble. And until we talk to you next time, everyone, try to be happy. That was a HeadGum Podcast.